Welcome to another episode of Bulls, Bears, and Blockchain on Revolution Radio. Making smarter financial decisions with your host, Rob Nelson, former Fox News host and anchor at Roundtable Media with his team of market masters, Mark Lepresti, Managing Director of Mineta Advisory Partners, co-founder of Battlefin, leading data platform, and a former institutional equities trader at Lehman Brothers. Alex Massioli, founder of Trade the Chain, former head of institutional prime brokerage at Bquant. John Nigerian, co-founder of Market Rebellion, former co-host of Halftime Report on CNBC, and co-founder of Option Monster and Trade Monster. Daily data insights and ticker updates direct from three of the world's top TradFi legal and crypto experts on Bulls, Bears, and Blockchain every Monday and Friday on all your favorite platforms. Let's get started. Welcome to the Bulls, Bears, and Blockchain podcast. Good to have everybody out there listening. I've got John Nigerian with a cash flow hat on, the trading rebellion from Trade the Chain, Alex Mazzioli, and to the left, the securities legal market expert, Mark Presti. Good to have you guys, as always. Uh, let's dive right into it. I want to obviously welcome everybody listening, and I want to thank our sponsor, Saline Automotive. Mark, John, one of you guys want to want to give a shout out to Saline Automotive and what they're about? John and I are incredibly proud and happy to be working with this company. This is one that um, I had a poster of a Saline Mustang in my bedroom in high school. So the opportunity to work with this amazing brand with a you know almost 50 year history in racing and automotive excellence is, is absolutely incredible. John and I recently joined as advisors. They've come on to the B3 world as sponsors, show sponsors. And John, we had the chance to whip a few incredible Celine cars around the racetrack of Willow Springs last week in L.A. I know you love that experience. Yeah, it was fabulous. Um, they're doing a crowdfunded um, raise right now. Uh, that right. closes in the not-too-distant future, folks. Um, and Mark and I are investors. We own... Uh, some of the equity in this. It's invest.saline, S-A-L-E-E-N.com. And yeah, I got to ride around the track with Adam Carolla. Um, Mark uh, and I got to do some laps in the Mustang, and then I jumped into the race car. And oh my God, Adam is crazy. 177, 180 miles an hour into a hairpin right or a hairpin <laughs> left. I mean, it was... It was exhilarating, and that's an understatement, um, but it was uh, very, uh, uh, it was an experience that I won't forget, and I think Celine, Steve Celine, the founder, uh, was there with us, and he was driving with Mark in a couple of the cars, so yeah, it's a great company. I would encourage you to check out their crowdfunding, because uh, I think this is going to be a big winner. You know, maybe one of these days Alex can drive in a race car too. One of them. Uh, I think he's done that before. I think he had a history of doing that at some point in time. In the for past. those of you who don't know, Alex Massioli was an actual race car driver. He didn't just take him around the last for fun. We'll get some of Alex's his crazy race car stories one day on the show. Let's jump in. We got a lot going on. We're, we're, and we're going to start out with a quick overview of what's going on in the markets. We're going to get some great picks from each of you. Not investment advice, just things you guys are actually doing. 
And then we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of things. We're going to talk about what, you know, is, is consumer demand finally going to tank? We're going to talk about Tesla's supercomputer, the dojo, and what that means. And we're going to dive into a little bit of the question of AI. And is AI going to suck all the venture capital out of crypto? So we'll get to all that. But let's just start it off, Mark. Um, all the major indices, I like calling them indexes, but I think that's not grammatically correct, um, went lower this week. Is that because of fear of rate hikes? Is it, the, is it fall blues? I mean, what's going on? Well, that's certainly how we closed last week, Rob. And last week definitely had some pressure, not only from jitters around what J-PAL may do on the 15th when the Fed meets again and perhaps also in October. But as we're going to talk about a little more with Dr. J, uh, oil and energy prices, oil flirting with $88 a barrel, that has a significant, actually one of the largest, if not the largest, tailwind or headwind, depending on your attitude of inflation. We're going to talk about that in a second. But actually, the market's closing today on September 11th. Never forget what happened 22 years ago on that day. September 11th, closing in the green, buoyed a bit by tech stocks. Uh, but markets mildly in the green. The Dow Jones up 25 basis points. The S&P up just shy of 70. The NASDAQ, the best of the three, up one spot, 14%. But yeah, there's a lot of concern about, guess what, interest rates, but a lot about how energy is impacting the overall economic outlook. John? So, so John, John, to his question, you know, we saw this last week where, you know, OPEX made some moves. And for whatever reason, our government, uh, this administration's choosing to kind of keep the supply tap down. It seems like that's only going to push prices up more. I don't want to get into the politics of it, mm -hmm. but when you're looking at the market, everybody's probably seeing prices going up the way we're approaching it, right? Yeah. Well, Rob, um, since President Biden took office, we've taken 260 million barrels out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve or the SPUR. We've put precious little back in. I mean, very, very little. And yet, since June 28th, we've seen uh, 20 points added to crude oil prices, which ultimately get refined into everything from uh, diesel fuel, fuel oil, gasoline. And now we're starting the switch over for the fuel oil for homes. The first fuel oil that I was talking about for ships and so forth. Now we're going to start seeing people getting ready for the home heating oil season, which also takes some of that uh, crude oil off the market for gasoline and diesel. So I think this is one of the reasons that we're going to continue to see hot inflation readings, Rob. And it's one of the reasons I think we might see at least two more rate hikes this year. Two. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. For those of you that are... Loyal B3 Nation listeners, watchers, and I know every single one of you watching are, this has been an area of some hotly contested debate between me and Dr. J and Mr. Massioli as well, but we'll bring him into the fray in a second. I've been saying 25 basis points, not 50, but 25 before the holidays for sure, that was not the popular or a very popular opinion a couple of months ago, Doc. Uh, well, let's bring in Alex. Alex, well, well, wait, 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 John. wait, wait one quick second. The reason is that two months ago, crude oil was $69 a barrel. Now it's 88. Two months ago, 
Joe Biden hadn't eliminated the last uh, oil permit in, a, in the uh, Anwar region of Alaska, um, which he just did last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and two months ago, we didn't have Putin pulling 300,000 barrels a day off global markets. So the fact that all those things are happening, Mark, and the fact that plastics and everything that goes into uh, refined products from petroleum are why I'm saying the Fed's got no choice but to keep moving rates up. It's two, John. And the rule here is twice, things twice, twice, Alex. And the thing is, wow. right, markets change, dynamics change. That's part of why we do the show all the time, because things can change day to day. So, Alex, and by the way, notice I have blurry hands. Um, a- Alex, um, <laughs> you've been saying you thought there'd be some some more hikes, Alex. You were a little bullish on the hiking thing. I've been in Mark's camp for a long time. I just uh, I think the only thing I've shifted is my time horizon, you know, going from back in June to uh, uh, September. But I, I've thought about the the one time hike for a little while. I did not know Dr. J was coming out with two and shocking us right now. Um, it, you know, I did have a little insight on the uh, energy and crude debate. I sat next to him while he was on uh, Cudlow the other day, and he dispensed this oh. knowledge. Um, but I still wasn't thinking he was going to do two. <laughs> hey, Wait a minute, Mark. You sat next to him doing Cudlow. Did you get some market knowledge by osmosis, Alex? <laughs> like, what? I don't. Are you feeling more conservative now than you were previously? No, I want to understand. You know what? Mark? Can you talk about that? Well, I'm going to tell you this: that Larry was asking me about the New York Giants, and he said, "So, what do you think?" And I said, "There's only one team in New York, and it's the Jets." It ain't the <laughs> so, what happened last night? Forty to zip. Yeah, forty zip for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So, ouch. Can I just yeah. say that's my boy Aaron Rodgers? You know, I have divided loyalties now, the Packers and the Jets, but different conferences, so I can look forward to a Super Bowl matchup. Hey, I want to get to crypto in a second. Alex always loves it when I say in a second. Mark, real quickly, just uh you've you've got what you call the triple witching option uh expi- expiring on September seventh fifteenth. Uh, what what does that mean? What are we looking at? Well, you know, the better person to answer that question is John. As Great, John. guru in the house. John, triple witching option. I did not come up with that one. Okay, I, I sorry. My bad, my bad. I should That's never okay. throw an option toward Mark. John, John, what is the triple witching option? Um, we've got options that are expiring on the 15th. That's this coming Friday. We've got futures that are expiring. They expire four times a year the S&P 500 futures, the main contract that we're trading and so forth. And they had to actually separate the times, Rob, so that because when they all used to expire, options, futures, stock futures and so forth, when they used to expire all at the close, they decided that was too much. So they have separated the time. Some of them expire on the opening print, others expire on the closing print because that way it doesn't put so much emphasis just on that last few seconds of the trading day when we used to see big spikes up or down. We don't see that really anymore, Rob, but nonetheless, it is noteworthy because, again, all the 500 stocks uh, that have options listed on them expire this Friday, along with, again, stock futures and uh, some of the indices that we trade very actively. 
So John, just quickly as a strategy, not investment advice, but what do you do with that? What, what, what do you do as a strategist looking at that? How do you play that? Uh, you know, there'll be a lot of liquidity, um, you know, areas you can get in or out of depending on. Um, so I, I don't really play it any particular way, Rob. If I have a bunch of long positions on, I would probably give that to them into that closing print. And if I had a bunch of short positions on, I would probably cover it, meaning hands towards me into that closing print because the liquidity will be there instead of being two cents, five cents, eight cents between the bid and the offer, there'll be very tight spreads into that final print. So a little more vol on triple witching, John, right? Tends to mean a little more volatility. Volatility. We love volatility. However, Alex, we're not getting volatility in crypto. What is going on? It's clinging to market cap. Bitcoin, Ethereum are taking hits. It's been a slow summer. It's not looking like it's jumping into a happy fall just yet. Yeah, listen, uh, Rob, crypto is just clinging to this $1 trillion market cap right now. And as I'm looking at the screens to my sides, uh, it's barely there. Uh, we haven't dipped below a trillion dollars since back in March of this year. So uh, it is an optical number, as I like to say. Um, but really, crypto has been sleepy all weekend. And, you know, all of a sudden we had Bitcoin just fall off a ledge. Uh, which was really weird. We we actually hit below 25,000 at one point on Monday. Um, and the cliff jump uh, really was taken by surprise. Equities were, you know, remained pretty much unchanged uh, on Monday. Uh, I know they had a uh, nice uh, movement last week, um, but down we went and with it, our total market cap. So uh, we'll see. We haven't we haven't been uh, not sideways in the Bitcoin market since uh, August 18th when we hit Grayscale, got that triumphant win over the SEC regarding the spot uh, Bitcoin ETF, which drove markets up for uh, one day on a spike. Um, that that being said, we're looking at everything Mark and uh, John are looking at this week, uh, which is CPI and PPI data, which is coming out along with the dark cloud in the sky news that FTS, FTX bankruptcy estate is setting up to possibly dump um, uh, a portion of its token portfolio. And uh, when I say that, I'm talking about mainly Solana, ticker SOL. So we're keeping an eye on that. And depending on the U.S. CPI and PPI data, uh, you know, and, and this rate hike, you know, we're we have John calling for two. We have Mark calling for one. People are wanting them to pause. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts um, on on what we're forecasting as far as where the crypto market Rob, I got I, I'm gonna ask Alice a question real quick. Based on what we know with FTX, how do you not short Solana right now if you can? You are you are jumping ahead, my friend. I'm jumping um, the shark. Give me a shark. I'm gonna jump it right now. Listen, you there there is no reason why you shouldn't be uh, shorting Solana right now. Our desk has been shorting it incrementally over the last three days, oh. and we took a larger position and added to it today. And since that position, it is down even more, and we have we're levered at seven uh, seven times. So, Ooh, um, printing money, profit, baby. Hey, Alex, 
Um, what does it mean for people with with, um, with FTX, possibly the estate, um, going to dump a portion of its t- token portfolio? What would that do also for the Bitcoin? I mean, 25 is low, right? So now everybody's like, that's below your, you know, Nick at your t- trading desk, you know, research desk was like, that's a bad place to be. What's the practical implications on, on Bitcoin of FTX, um, the estate? Dumping if if everything goes as expected, if we get positive data, and I'm not going to rattle over, I'm not going to rattle off, uh, you know, what's expected to what versus what it was, um, but if we get the positive data that is that we expect, uh, it will send Bitcoin uh, upwards, and if if depending on what the Fed's decision uh, is with the rates, if it's a good one and the market likes it, we suspect that Bitcoin will go higher all the way through to the end of the year. Now, that being said, we have the altcoin market to talk about. We have this FTX potential dump, which is going to be, from my understanding, limited to 100 million tranches a week, uh, but could increase to 200 million tranches per week. Um, And if Bitcoin goes higher, naturally, even if you took the FTX out of the equation, you would have uh, you would have the de-risking money and alts capitulate to Bitcoin anyway. If we have FTX happen simultaneously, it's going to enhance that movement of de-risking. So I would prepare for a large uh, altcoin downside. Large altcoin downside, but an upside on Bitcoin. Um, So speaking of which, why don't we jump right into some picks? Since you guys all have picks, Mark might be um, um, dumping Solana. Um, Mark, you go first. What, what What are you, again, picks you're taking, bullish, bearish, just let people know what they are. I want to tell everybody, this is not advice to do it. This is what you guys are actually doing. If I want to do it too, I'm welcome to. You're not telling me to, but it's choices you're actually making in the market. Yeah, well, so Rob, I know we've got a big iPhone 15 release coming out tomorrow. Lots of materially different features. iPhone uh, loyalists are watching this. They're waiting. They're sitting in line with their lawn chairs, you know, waiting for the ticket booth to open as if it was back in the day for Grateful Dead concerts. So maybe showing my age there. But wow, I you don't went think... to Grateful Dead? You went to Grateful I... Dead? Wow. Well, you know, maybe like the Grateful Dead, like the version 2 or 3.0, you know, with like after, you know, Ron died, et cetera. But um, I am not sure that what's going to be released tomorrow, particularly when the world knows what pricing looks like, that this is going to be enough to save Apple or to bring it out of the doldrums that sit in after $100 billion was wiped out in market cap last week with the commentary out of China. So um, I know it's difficult. It's one of the largest positions of a number of my closest friends, but I am not feeling too good about Apple right now. I mean, what more could they invent in a phone anyway? Right. 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 I think we joked on a show previously, Mark, that uh, we all wish we knew the guy that, you know, the head of Apple's ordering called to order those phones in uh, China. So we knew the number. I'll tell you, you, since you asked, Alex, what they're going to do is they're going to come out, according to Mac Rumors, um, uh, a site that I follow religiously. And I don't mean only on Sunday, Rob. Um, I I think they're going to come out with a uh, titanium-based phone that is significantly lighter than their previous versions. It'll still have the, you know, more traditional metals in the base of the phone, 
but much of the phone outside of the glass on the back will likely be titanium. And that's for weight. They say it's going to cut 10 to 15% of the weight. Um, they might put a, uh, a home key back on the, the touch front of the phone. We don't know for sure. But, um, and it won't just be the iPhone. Uh, that'll be the big thing that we're waiting on, but they're likely to talk about the watch and other things at the event on Tuesday. Uh, so that's the 12th. I, I think that is unlikely to be such a market moving situation. Um, but to your point and Mark's, I think it's well-founded that if China is causing fewer and fewer of those iPhones to be bought in China, because they're basically going to block it from any government ownership, anybody who works in the government and so forth. Which is everybody in China, John. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Everybody. It's so, everybody. So, Mark, does that mean you're going to sell some of your Apple stock? Uh, you know, Rob, I don't know. I mean, it, that that's that's uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think the better point to be taken from this is a lot of times, historically, a new iPhone release has been a buoying effect, right? A, a tailwind catalyst that's driven the stock to the upside. I don't think we should expect that to happen tomorrow. I just don't. It, I don't know. Like if all it phone. is is a lighter phone, I, I, people are stupid if they're going to go for that. Actually, if my phone gets any lighter, I'm not going to know I'm carrying it. I already have to make sure I have the phone with me. Listen, I'm now 50% titanium. That was part of my summer like bikini That's body. I wanted to ask Mark, does 15% titanium weight loss reduction make a catalyst for record-breaking earnings uh, quarter? Uh, if we're still talking about Apple, I'm going to say no. All right. So, John, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got for us? An option pick, a stock pick, a crypto pick? Um, in Tesla, Rob, um, we've had unusual activity in it a bunch. And today was one of the biggest squeeze days in a long time for Tesla because it was up double digits on Monday, the 11th, September 11th. So Morgan Stanley, Adam Jonas, he basically said um, that he thinks that the new dojo, which is what Elon Musk calls his built-from-scratch computer <laughs> that uh, is going to be his AI-powering device, from what Jonas looked at, he thinks that that could be $500 billion onto the balance sheet of Tesla. Now, uh, enterprise value, that is. So we'll have to see, of course, the, but that's a 60% jump in his price target, Rob, from 250 to 400. Stock was up through 270, and a lot of those 270 calls, they closed at 59 cents last Friday. Um, on Monday, those traded over $7.75. Yes. Can I get a bang? Bang. So, John, so so for those who don't play the game as much as you, what is the move you make based on that you personally make? I roll up, meaning, Rob, that I was long the 270 calls. Now I'm long the 280 calls looking for more upside. I take money off the table on the winners, but I want to roll up and stay with it because I think Jonas is right. Morgan Stanley's pushing this out to one of the largest groups on the street because that's the former Smith Barney clients mm -hmm. as well as Morgan Stanley. So I think that can provide significant upside 
Um, but I'd give it time. We're not going to get to 400 in the snap of my fingers, but I think we are going higher over time here. Here's what I want to know, Rob. Here's what I want to know, and I'll ask you this, Rob. Dojo, is this a reference to the cage match with Zuck? I mean, because this Elon, and we know this is a guy that doesn't care. Like, he will, he calls it, he will call out Kerry Gensler. He'll go head to head with the SEC. He'll call his kid something none of us can, can pronounce. Was that like a Zuck reference to this? It, it, it may time? well be. And so we're going to just use this as a tease because in just a couple minutes, we're going to talk about the Dojo supercomputer. And yes, as we know, Elon Musk is smarter than most of us and seems to have a have an ability to find the double entendres and everything. Alex, once again, <laughs> before I go to you, this is going to be my new line. Before I go to you, Alex, John, just real quickly, what is going on with Twink, with Twinkie? I see that Smucker, the jelly people, are going to, I'm like shocked that Hostess is like, we're done with our bakery brand. Smucker's buying it. That's huge. My whole life, there were Twinkies and there was Smucker's Jam. Like now what? It's all one? Smucker's Twinkies? Well, you know, this brand went out of business, Rob, back in 2012. They officially filed for bankruptcy and winding down operations. Now, you know, if memory serves, it was less than three quarters of a billion dollars uh, the the asset at that time. Now, um, Smuckers is going to pay $5.6 billion. So if you wanted to see a great trade over the past decade, that's a great trade for anybody who was in TWNK. A lot of people, Rob, have been getting into the calls of Twink, uh, which is the symbol for hostess, TWNK, as you said. So we had uh, several hits in August. They were buying the September 30 calls. Those calls were purchased for about 55 to 60 cents. Uh, they became worth almost $4. So that's 6X. So again, you didn't have to in 2012 <laughs> to get that. You got that, boom, uh, you know, just over the past couple weeks. So those are the trades that we love and that's why over at Market Rebellion, we're always trying to say that we're following the smart money. In this case, it was extremely smart, but I wouldn't be surprised if they might get a look from, well, when did you guys start buying these and why? <laughs> Interesting. Twinkies never go away. Boom and a bang. Twinkies will survive a nuclear war. Twinkies, Twinkies cannot be extinguished. Alex, what do you got? Solana can be, though. Solana can go away. A hundred percent. We're we're short Solana, as I explained uh, earlier, ticker SOL. Um, it, it's just because FTX owned so damn much of the supply. There were big investors early on, over a billion three uh, of Solana value. Well, I mean, at this point, depends on what time you're clocking that spot price. Uh, because right now on my left-hand screen, I'm looking at a very good uh, double-digit return on our short so far at Trade the Chain. Um, you know, uh, FTX filed for bankruptcy. We saw this decline uh, to $14. Um, it's down. We're down over three and a half percent right now. Um, it's been down below 10 percent uh, when we uh, went into late December of last year. This has room to go. Uh, we're not off this train. The bad news. It's all room to all go news. down. Room 100%. to go down. Yes. This is all news. Wait till the actual uh, deployment uh, starts coming, they start selling. So we're sticking on the Solana train right now. 
the Solana train crash. Listen, I just want to add the the guys at Solana, the team at Solana, they built something really great. A lot of useful stuff has been built on it. Um, I feel bad for them in a way of of who they got involved with in order to uh, accelerate this project through the ecosystem. But I think now is a good time to rip that Band-Aid off. We're in a building market, a building bear market right now. Let's get it off. Let that team, uh, you know, shine another day in 2024 when we start going for the bull cycle. I like that building bear building bear market. That's a great phrase. The building bear market. So let's talk about some topical stuff. Mark the dojo, the dojo of uh, the dojo of Tesla. I'll be honest. I didn't even realize Tesla had a supercomputer That's called such a dojo. dumb name. Like, <laughs> well, it might be a Mark Zuckerberg name. Did he just name it dojo now, or was it dojo a long time ago? No. What's the deal? Um, it, it, so. First of all, what does a supercomputer do? It basically, right, it, it, they were using it to track data in their cars, right? But there's an argument that it could actually do a lot more. And then what? It would become the next new cool supercomputer? I'm, I'm not sure I understand what's happening. Well, in, in, in the case of Tesla, Rob, this the, the, the dojo, the AI-driven supercomputer super dojo, is um, hope to be, if you're Elon Musk and Tesla shareholders like me and John, the supercomputer that powers autonomous self-driving cars. And according to recent reports, it may be here sooner than we think. So that's a, that's a big part of what this major analyst upgrade was catalyzed by. It's a big part of what has uh, driven the stock price today. And John and I remain Tesla bulls. So, what's the old expression from uh, Cobra Kai? Was that the uh, the TV show from earlier this year or last year? Not in my dojo, but when it comes to Tesla, this is Elon's dojo, and we're going long. Did I lose you, Alex? Alex, you, just, did, you didn't lose. Alex me. just went right. <laughs> Mark is a fi- Mark is is what I call a financial comedian, right? So he has he has all this alpha mixed up with all these laughs. It's it's actually a great combo. It is. It's a great combo. It's like dad joke. I, I tell you what, guys. Um, it was you know this is how quickly this has come together though. Um, we knew that they needed horsepower, computing horsepower for uh, their self driving vehicles because. Uh, there's a lot of decisions, life or death decisions being made by the vehicle, obviously. Um, Elon Musk announced back in June that he was going to be um, uh, putting together this supercomputer, if you will, this AI engine. And he's one of the original backers of OpenAI, which a lot of us cite as, you know, chat GPT and so forth, version one, two, three, four. Um, and he's warned us about what these things can do. Um, I, I would take him at his word that these are things that we should be worried about or at least aware of and have some adult supervision of. Now, when he made this announcement back in June, nobody thought, I'm sure, that he would have a similar sort of um, endorsement, if you will, by Adam Jonas, one of the original Tesla bulls, for uh, this uh, the potential for this uh, technology. Because as I said, Rob, this they took their target, Adam Jonas did, from 250 to 400. That's a 60% jump. So you don't see too many people making more than a 20, 
dollar jump or a twenty-five or a thirty-dollar right. jump, even for stocks like Tesla, to take it from two fifty to four hundred, you're trying to hurt people. Um, so I think this did hurt people today. The turnover in Tesla shares was gigantic. I mean, you know, uh, normal turnover in Tesla, it's always one of the top uh, uh, traded stocks in the world. Normal turnover is 125 million shares, turned over almost 180 million on Monday, September 11th. So, uh, and that was, like I say, a 10% rally. Can you imagine if they keep the pedal to the metal here? Um, and that's, of course, not a gasoline uh, engine <laughs> mark. That's a uh, uh, an EV that moves a lot faster, just like the stock moves a lot faster. Um, and I think that this one's got 300 written on it in the very near future, maybe even before the end of the month here, Rob. I, I love watching those shorts get squeezed like a redheaded tube of toothpaste, John. <laughs> Alex, you've unleashed it. You've unleashed it, Alex. That's get... what we call a mixed metaphor. It's when we take yes. one metaphor and another, we bring them together. Doesn't make sense, but you get the picture. We're going to be getting Merck financial jokes now every, t every what, two minutes in. Please, yes. no. <laughs> We're going to have to cringe our way through them. Last question on this. What is the potential that they see beyond using this for Tesla? What, what, is the, what is the possibility of the, let's just say, named after Mark Zuckerberg in the future dojo match, since the name has to have been recent, um, uh, Mark predicted it. Um, what's the other possibilities that this could do other than processing you know, data from their vehicles? Um, boy, uh, it again, depends on what he wants to turn it loose on, Rob. Um, AI, of course, uh, the combination of machine learning and artificial intelligence um, could be a very powerful one-two punch. I think that's what Mr. Jonas is looking at here because, uh, you know, the artificial intelligence, you know, if you want to call it, it, it's learning as it's going along but it can only do what it does with the data that you give it. So that since Tesla has more of this data than anybody else, you know, you could take every other uh, car manufacturer combined and probably the closest to it, Mark, is probably the Waymo stuff over at Google. It's not for, it's not, it's not General Motors, it's not Mercedes or BMW. It's probably Waymo, like I say, the uh, Google stuff. That's the only sure. thing close. Well, so since we're but talking it, AI, Mark, since we're yeah. talking AI, let's let's talk a little about that. So, you know, I call it, I'm going to do a Mark. Everything, everywhere, all at once is AI, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. But, you know, we talk about AI and everything, and there's a reason. We talk about the risks, the fears, the whole thing. Um, I want to get into the crypto side of this. But just in general, to Mark, to John's point, you know, I mean, John says, you know, we, it takes the data it, it knows. My worry is always eventually we think we're so smart. It's going to figure a way around the guardrails and be like, I'll find data you didn't give me. I'll find answers you didn't give me. I'll find solutions that don't break the rules you think you gave me because I'm way smarter. Um, that's why we talk about regulating it. And yet yeah. it's a two-edged sword because China ain't regulating anything. 
You know, Russia ain't going to regulate. So we're at a real hard spot here. What does that mean? And how do the markets look at this? It's such a massive space. Well, I think that how the markets look at it is as a challenge, as a concern, and as something that is yet to be answered in any meaningful way. And it's why Elon Musk called for a pause, right, for everybody that's involved in AI development. Let's have some set of values, guideline, regulation, pursuant to which we all operate. It's why You know, Rob, you and I did a show, I think, back in February, a month and a half or two months before Elon called for the pause, where I talked about or called for the Ten Commandments of AI, right? Uh Ten basic tenets, you know, that AI shall not call for self-harm, it shall not incite violence, it shall not incite hate and all those things. So um, I think the market is still unsure as to how this will play out. But to John's point, why do we think that Tesla's dojo has the kind of potential outside of making autonomous vehicles a reality is because of the proprietary data sets or data lakes, as Mm -hmm. we call them in the data world, that Elon can point and apply that dojo AI large language model machine learning technology to these lakes of data that are accessible only to Tesla or SpaceX or, you know, the simple project or all these other things that Elon has done. Elon has been a data nerd from the beginning. He recognizes that data is and has been the new oil for at least 10 years now. And that's not lost on him in terms of the uh, advancement of these AI technologies. I just got to say, Elon called for a pause. Meanwhile, he's developing Dojo. Secondly, I don't know about <laughs> these points. Because you tell the AI, do no harm to humans. And I can see that AI going, well, I'll kill them painlessly and it'll be in their best interest anyway. So I did no harm to humans. I don't know. I'm a little scared and excited. But Alex, I like to go to dystopian. But let's talk practically. You have an interesting thought that um, AI is sucking venture capital out of potential crypto projects. Why and how? Yeah, no, I I think it's, uh, you know, it's in a lot of people's minds as well. I mean, first and foremost, I'd just like to say there's an open bet to all my esteemed colleagues here. Uh, $100 if any of you can name at least one of Elon Musk's kids. Um, But that being said, uh, the no, it it is. Everybody is looking at AI sucking out of the venture funding from crypto. It's been all the rage. You know, it's and it's been listen, it's been warranted. Right. We see what people are doing with it. Uh, in different aspects of life. And as the crypto bear market entered its way into uh, our lives last year, and AI began to accelerate and improve on what they were doing, it was only natural for those funds. And, you know, listen, you asked John and Mark, who, uh, you know, stroll around this globe uh, in the venture capacity, and and they'll tell you it's where the, uh, the money is to be made. It's where people are flocking to. So um, kudos to AI. Yeah, well, good for AI. Um, you know, how does this? Let's play it back to the TradFi markets, John. How does it affect? You know, AI is obviously redefining tech. It's also redefining. I think the intersection to crypto and AI is fascinating. I mean, there's an intersection there that's just really unique. But I mean, we're creating a whole new industry, a whole new technology, but it's affecting just about every industry. So when you're looking at the market. 
I mean, we thought big tech did that in kind of becoming the big tech versus tech. Now we've got AI, which is its own thing on top of all of that. Is its own? Is it its own market segment? I mean, how do you even look at that? Well, um, just a moment ago, we also talked about China and AI and uh, the restrictions that they would or would not put on themselves. Um, the same thing with Russia. That's why a lot of these uh, chips from NVIDIA and a host of others that are trying to come up with the newest new chip are not are, are being blocked, are not being able to access that market because they don't want those chips in the hands of folks that could put a mass amount of folks, you know, basically uh, to uh, create, whether it's to weaponize AI or whether it's just to uh, 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 get a leap ahead of what we have mm -hmm. uh, over here on our shore, Rob. So I, I think that uh, so in some cases, obviously in the case of NVIDIA, if you look at its shares, um, NVDA um, exploded all the way, you know, not too terribly long ago, guys, through 500, and then came all the way back down to 450. Um, I think that uh, in some, to some regard, uh, and I've emphasized this with Mark and Alex and my brother, Pete, you can only sell what you have. Everything else goes into inventory. So you can have the most popular chip on earth, which NVIDIA might have, but um, you can only sell what you have. Now you can move prices up on it because again, supply and demand means if there's more demand than supply, you should move prices up. That's what you would think would happen. But that's not been uh, what's happening with the stock price as people say, well, you know what? When Boeing sells too many planes or sells, takes orders for too many planes, that's in the inventory. That's not the same as something you can sell because only you can fulfill that inventory, Boeing or NVIDIA. And so you need to be able to sell as many of these chips as you can um, one market is being cut off already. That's China. So maybe many of the domestic buyers could buy it, but there's just not, they, you know, they're out there more than a year into the future on this backlog. Again, that's not going to be revenue for a year from now. So that's why many of us thought that they got ahead of themselves. Is it, but John, isn't that a revenue recognition question? Is it, doesn't that like call it just like, some of the subtleties or the uh, gray areas of public company and gap accounting, where you can actually book revenue and count revenue now for a good or service that you need to deliver in the future that you may not, like, let's be honest, you may not actually be able to fulfill. Right. And I think that is the issue here, Mark. They will not be able to, um, or, or any analyst worth their salt is not going to be recognizing that revenue potential. They're going to be looking at it and saying, it's a great company. The CEO is a great cheerleader for it, but you know what? They can only sell what they got. Right. Interesting. And right. Uh, apparently interesting. the price moves on the uh, chips that were available um, were uh, somewhat price sensitive. They're not going to pay, you know, an unlimited price for this because uh, they've got to justify what they're using it for and how much yeah. can they get in revenue. That's the buyer of that particular chip. Maybe it's, 
AI. Maybe it's the parent company of ChatGPT, which, as we said, was found, was one of the initial uh, funders, if not founders, was Elon Musk. Yeah. Revenue well, potential is just efficient. potential. That's all it is, yeah. potential. Yeah. Hey, we got time for just quick. Well, I want to hear Alex on this, Rob. Uh, well, all right, then we're going to skip our last topic, guys. We'll finish it on this. Very, very quick. Uh, John, is this happening in, in just the isolated case of chip maker like NVIDIA? Or are you talking about uh, backlogs and in, in work orders? Uh, is this happening with... Uh, companies like Boeing as well. Are analysts calculating what forward-looking is different across all sectors? I believe they are, Alex, because look at how Boeing has languished. Um, and if you look at that stock, you know, when they when they had problems with the, the 777, or they had problems with the Dreamliner, or they had problems with the uh, 737 MAX, um, any of those things... Yeah, some people canceled their orders and thus they would go to the back of the line in terms of that inventory, you know, that multi-billion dollar, uh, you know, tens of billions of dollars of inventory backlog that Boeing enjoyed. But look at where the stock is. Look yeah. at where the stock has been since they had those backlogs. It's nowhere near its highs. Um, and so I think a lot of people think, as I do, that you have to be, I mean, what if Apple said, you know what, we only brought out 88 million phones, we, we could have sold 160. Well, by the time the next 80 million phones come out, um, it, somebody's going to want something different, whether it's the foldable phones like Samsung mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. So I think the same is true with jets and chips. So what's the last thing before we go on this if you're looking as an investor trying to figure out where to look down the road for AI, again, potential is just potential. What are you guys doing? Are you looking at industries that are likely to be most significantly impacted with AI going, here's where potential would be. So I'm going to look at this industry because AI is going to affect everything. Or are you just waiting till you see the actual impact happen? Are you actually targeting industries going, this industry is probably going to have a big impact sooner than later with AI? John, you go first. Um, I'm not trying to put that crystal ball together, really, Rob. Um, I'm mainly um, just looking at potential for AI, um, the best places where you might apply it. Obviously, UPS, FedEx would be low-hanging fruit in my mind because you want to figure out Amazon, um, DHL, any of the places where you're delivering packages and mm -hmm. so forth, picking things up, dropping them off. Is there a more efficient way to do it? where I can save fuel and still hit, you know, all the places I need to hit. Um, those would be places that could be applied right now. Right. A lot of the others, I think, are pie in the sky. Jeff, Mark? Yeah, totally agree with John. Supply chain logistics appear to be or appears to be one of the most obvious ways that AI can help improve operational efficiencies in what is a very inefficient and one of the largest uh, uh, revenue uh, problems for, for companies that are subject to all of these supply chain problems. Ask anybody that had goods that were stuck at Port of Long Branch or Port of Newark a year and change ago when we had all of that supply chain stuff. But where we're looking is that what we would refer to, Rob, as the picks and shovels, right? So who are the companies that are creating the chips that are creating the software that will power mm -hmm. the AI boom. It's not about where the AI ultimately winds up. 
It's about who's creating the picks and shovels that make it possible. I love that, the picks and shovels. Alex, last word from you. AI crypto, really interesting intersection. When you're looking at it and how, again, from a trading perspective, what, what, are you, what's your, what are you doing? How are you thinking yeah, about it? I have, two, I have two views. From a trading perspective, looking at it, and we're already working on a few things when it comes to automated high-frequency trading uh, on, our, on our own desk, um, some we've been looking at for about four or five months now. Uh, and there's there's really interesting uh, you know arguments to be had there. Going back over to uh, TradFi, I you know I tend to never look at the bullseye. Right, I don't care who makes the AI; it's already done. Once you hear about it, I want to start spreading out in the circle. They talk about logistics. Logistics are the low hanging fruit in every new innovative thing. It always needs help in logistics. I'm gonna go a third ring out of that bullseye. I'm gonna look at SaaS. I'm gonna look at where AI can help automated customer service or problem solving within SaaS companies. Interesting stuff, all of it. And here I was thinking big picture, like education, defense, but I love, and I love Mark's point, the picks and the shovels, the picks and the shovels, not where it's going, what's powering it. Power well, this, this, this show has always been since we started it about actionable insights. And yep. if you get too macro, you can't trade on it. Yep. It's when you start to get into the micro, right? We think this is heading in this direction, this industry, this sector, those little the Easter eggs, as I believe it's called in social media, to where you're going to make money. You know, if, they, if, if, if Dr. J is a doctor, maybe maybe uh, Lepresti should be professor. Professor um, Lepresti. I like it. It's like from Gilligan's Island. He was the trimmest of the men on the hey, island. Mark Lepresti, the professor, Manetta Advisory Partners, John Nigerian. For, I'm going to uh, go pick and call my coconut phone. The bicep, Dr. J. Alex Massioli, Market Rebellion. We haven't got a moniker for you yet, Alex, but we'll come up with one. Rob Nelson. Roundtable of the street. Um, and uh, great conversation. Great talking to you guys. Thanks to our sponsor, Celine uh, Automotive. Great. Um, check them out. Check everybody's websites out. Thanks for joining Rob Nelson, Alex Massioli, Mark Lepresti, and John Nigerian with another great episode of Bulls, Bears, and Blockchain twice a week on Revolution Radio. Whether you're new to the world of Web3 finance or an experienced investor, we've got you covered. Follow us on Twitter at GetRevRadio and visit our website at revolutionradio.io, helping you make smarter financial decisions. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.